Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have a crossbreed podcast today because I have with me a very special guest, the bass player of Uriah Heap, sitting waiting to go back out on the road as soon as they can and as soon as that new album can come out for us all to enjoy as well. Let's welcome Dave Rimmer to the show. Dave, how are you doing? Hey, Scott, fine. Um, doing really well um, under the circumstances we've all been under. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, trying to stay positive and we've got lots of things, you know, ready. So we just we're just bursting to get out, you know, uh get back on the road and see all the fans and you know, just get back to normal. So yeah, um pretty excited about uh, the next few months as well. We've got things coming up. So yeah, yeah sure. doing okay. How are you? Okay. I'm doing really well. Uh I'm I'm enjoying doing the podcast, you know, going through all the music. I've just started yeah. to hit Outsider now, which was your entry point into the band. Yeah. Um, but I, I really loved Russell had posted some pictures of some of the gigs that you guys did right around the time you were recording. How did it feel yeah. to just get back out there and see that sea of people cheering for you again? It was great. I mean, it was to be honest, it was quite I think for most most bands and musicians I've spoken to as well, it was quite nerve-wracking because even though it was only that sort of 18 months of not playing, you, you think, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. But as it got closer, when them gigs got came in, you know, you, we actually, we, I think we all felt a little bit nervous because we hadn't played together for a while. And I think uh, we were sort of excited and uh but I mean, I was, I, I was quite nervous, but we, we, we had a rehearsal and uh, and everything was fine. It was great to see the crew guys because we hadn't seen each other for so long. Right. You know, we, yeah. And, so, and when we actually hit the stage, it was fantastic. It was just great to see uh, lots of familiar faces in the, in the audience as well. You know, like there's a lot of fans that come and see us all the time. And it was, uh, and it was just great to, really communicate again with each other you know so it was fantastic mm. and i think it's it's certainly understandable because you had been away for so long that that yeah. first first couple gigs are going to have a few butterflies you know it's not like your guys's music is really simple there's a lot going on there's a lot to play and a lot of lot of notes to know uh i i think that's a completely yeah. reasonable response yeah yeah it, it was just it, it was just kind of uh I mean, you you know the songs and everything, and you, but it was a uh, it was you know because I think the just the pressure of 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 that time COVID you didn't you didn't really know what what was coming next. You no, know, it was just it just seemed it it just seemed to be you know as, as you know it just seemed to be like a year of bad news in every way you know and you know at the end of it you were just so happy to you know to see everyone and you know get back on stage but it was a when we hit them first chords it was like yes you know we're back <laughs> right well and, and not only was it just the pressure of playing a gig it's not like you're playing a small club you guys were playing huge festivals yeah we did a we did a um a, a big festival to start with um you know like i think it was on a mountain in in wales it was a brilliant festival uh and that was really exciting to do and uh, yeah, so it wasn't like a small gig. It was like a quick rehearsal. Okay, guys, and, you know, and then just get, you know, it's got to be fine, it's going to be fine. And then, but once we got on stage, it was, 
really quite emotional, really. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine. I mean, even yeah. just yeah. being with the guys and playing again had to be some element of uh, just overwhelming emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you, I have to clear up a rumor that I heard about you. Uh, I, uh, Paul Newton, when I interviewed him, he told me that you actually change your strings before every show. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, I, I, I think it goes back um, to even when I I think sometimes people's sweat, you know, in their hands can be a little slightly bit more corrosive than other people because I have spoke to other bass players who um, who change them every, you know, every couple of shows or every every month but uh for me yeah it was just uh um because my tech brian who's been working for heap he also worked for uh for heap before me with trevor boulder uh-huh. and um well when i first joined the band and he was changing my strings and i think it was the first few shows he was like man i've got to change these strings every night because they're completely dead the next day you know like <laughs> wow but it depends as well because some players like um depends what sound you want if you want that sort of new new string sound it's like a it's kind of more punchy and more zingy you know it's a bit more treble in it um so if you if you want that sound you have to change your, your strings you know every night or every second night but if you want that sort of more of a dull thud um which is really popular as well it's just more of a uh, uh it's, it's 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 another classic rock sound but um then you can leave them on for a, a couple of shows. But for for Heap, I think for, for me, because playing with Russell Gilbrook, he's so heavy. He's so loud. You know, the way, he, the way he plays. And when you play with him, you don't really realize, but you actually hit the strings a lot harder than you normally would because as soon as he starts playing, you're like, oh, you know, you, you start playing harder because – you either turn yourself up or you, but you automatically just play harder because he's he's so rocking and so heavy. You've got no choice but to be with him. So uh, I think a set of bass strings playing with um, Russell, it gets a, a severe pounding. So they're completely gone by the, <laughs> the next day. They don't, they don't work anymore. <laughs> I imagine you have quite the handshake as well. Yeah, well, not really. It's, it, it, it's just the, um, yeah, it's just the, the, because the intensity he plays at, because um, a lot of times you'll play with different drummers on, on your life, and you know your different bands, and you, you play along. And you obviously with a bass player, you play along with the drummer. And I remember when the first time I played with Rusty, I was like, "Whoa!" You know, he's like, you know, you you have no choice but to be with him, and that means turn it up, and you instinctively start hitting the guitar harder, which starts to destroy your strings quicker than a normal set so uh, um i have to i have to challenge people bass players to play with russell and then you'll soon see the state of your strings after <laughs> <laughs> you've finished right well it, you know that actually does make a lot of sense because you don't want to be drowned out i think there's just that natural you have to play up to the loudest player but I was thinking, you know, more along the lines of uh, just never being able to break in a, a set of strings and get comfortable with them. But if you're used to playing with fresh strings all the time, then I guess that's what you get comfortable with. Oh, yeah. And anyway, um, my tech, Brian, he's an expert. Uh, he, he was actually a bass player. I mean, all the fans know him, Brian West. 
he he was actually the bass player in Tigers of Pankang. Oh, if you remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he became uh, a bass tech. He's tech with Status Quo, lots of bands. And he he was Trevor's tech, and now he's now he works for Heap. He's my tech. And Brian does it. You know, he's got all these tricks for for that. You know, you just stretch them in. And so when he hands me the bass every day, it's it's it stays in tune great. It's impossible to make it to put it out of tune because he's he he spent about an hour or two hours stretching the strings in. Wow. So it's so they're fine. And they're Rotosound strings, which are everyone knows Rotosound, which is my preferred string, and they're like the the classic, you know, rock string and uh, they never let me down. So Yeah, and even even as hard as you play, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, they just you know, the they got that tone and the you know, they were they were uh, I think the the round wound set was originally designed by John Entwistle from the who oh, really? way back in, in the mid sixties. Yeah. He, he, um, um, I think Pete Townsend was using the round wound strings, guitar strings and Pete Townsend, um, John Entwistle, he actually, uh, you know, went, went into the factory and developed the standard set that everyone has, you know, every bass player used these days. So, John Entwistle was a real sort of innovator for the bass, yeah, for the bass guitar, yeah. That's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. Learning all yeah. kinds of stuff today. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious, when you first joined the band, uh, did yeah. you work with Russell to develop a, a, a musical relationship, or did, did it just kind of happen through rehearsals? Uh, it was just sort of it was just natural, really. I mean, I had jammed with Russell before, uh, that's how I met Russell. Um, so I'd, uh, um, I'd jammed with him a few times. We used to play, um, I was in like this uh, classic rock sort of cover band. It was me, it was Richie Falkliff and Judas Priest, the new guitar, the, it was me and him. Uh, we had a few guests, different guests every week. Uh, it was really good. It was every it was every Sunday for years we did it. And Russ came down a few times and he would go out and play with us. Okay. And we do everything. We do, you know, everything from, you know, Metallica, Iron Maiden, Deep Purple, you know, Uriah Heep. You know. Uh, and that's how I met Russell. So I'd already played with him a little bit. So, so you know, so I was used to, um, you know, how great he was and everything. So it was he, he really easy to play with and, you know, but he used to like take the roof off the buildings with his power. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what's funny is you, you look at him and he's he's not a very tall guy. He's he's very well muscled, but you wouldn't yeah. think that he would have that power just looking at him. But man, when he gets behind the kit, he knows how to hit. Well, yeah, it's not it, it's his, you know, it, it's just the way it's just natural for him. And plus, he he can play any style. I mean, yeah, he, he can play rock, hard rock and heavy metal, but he, he can also play, you know, jazz. He played jazz for many years, you know. So, I mean, I've done a, a couple of sessions with him where we played really lightly, you know, sort of like a, you know, like a ballad material and stuff. And he, he does like everything, percussion. I mean, he's got, you know, th- there's nothing he can't play. Is there any style? <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
I had the pleasure of seeing you guys twice live here in Las Vegas. The uh, the first time was, I, th- I want to say it was right before Live in the Dream came out. And you yeah. guys were playing at, I think it was Boulder Station Casino. And then the last time you were here at the Hard Rock opening for Judas Priest. And yeah. one thing I have to say about seeing you guys live is the the energy and the joy on stage. Like you guys are very busy. Your parts can be very technical, but you guys seem so relaxed and just like you're really enjoying being on stage. Is it is, yeah. is it that you don't have to focus so much on the technical? It just feels natural? Um, it's a, a bit of both, I think. I mean, you you always feel, I mean, for me, you know, I, you know, I always make sure I'm prepared. It goes way back to when I joined Heap, you know, when I first you know, even went for the audition, and uh, I was I was always, you know, really paid attention to the parts, you know. So I would learn the parts, like we all do, like we all do, and then you 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 put your own a bit of your yourself in there because you can't play like all the different players. Even I mean, Heath have had so many great bass players, you know, Gary Thane, you know, Paul Newton, Trevor, of course, you know, John Wetton. The list is Bob Daisley. It's just amazing list of bass players, but. I always tried to just learn the parts and um, just be prepared. And also when you play with, you know, Mick, Bernie, Russ and Phil, you know, there's, there's an energy there, you know, which, which uh, for us, it's just, it's just normal, you know, to, uh, you know, to go on there and enjoy it and, you know, support each other, you know, cause we are a band, you know, so, uh, so there's, there's, there is kind of playing with heat. There is, there's like, you know, there's like a high standard that we always try to keep, you know, you know, because we just want to, you know, we just want to d- deliver every time, you know, and and it's really it's really exciting, you know, as well. Oh yeah, well, yeah. And, and from a crowd standpoint, it's kind of a, a double impact because. We see you guys enjoying yourselves and we enjoy that, but we also enjoy that coming out in the music as well. I mean, the the two shows I've seen, they were just stunning. I was blown away by, I wasn't surprised at how good it sounded, you know, how good you guys were as players, but just what I felt coming off the stage, I didn't really expect that. And I I really, I, I think those were a couple of the best concerts I've ever been to. Oh, great. That's amazing to say that because, you know, because um, as, as I say, we always do try, you know, it, it, it's like an unwritten, I think it's just natural for us just to, you know, really try to deliver it to the audience. And like, you know, it's like a, let's just say it's like a, um, it's like a relationship, you know, they're there to, you know, to see us and we're, we're so happy to, you know, to be, you know, playing them songs for the fans. That it's it's uh you know you just want to you know really make sure that you know that the energy from us is really hitting home to you know the audience you know because without the audience you know we haven't got anything. Well, thinking back to your audition, um, you know, joining a band is always a, a big thing, especially a, a well-established band, let alone such a historically yeah. established band like Heap. But looking at the work that that you had to do as a bass player, because, you know, all of the bass players that you mentioned, uh, they 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 didn't just sit back and play root notes. I mean, they were very busy. Did that was that at all? Did you look at that and go, this is going to be a fun challenge? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'd basically that style of music was my favorite music anyway, you know. So, you know, since I was a kid, I was, I was, I was listening to that style of playing, you know, everything from Heat, Deep Purple, you know, Queen. They were all sorts of my, that was my music. So, in that way, it was, it was, oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great, you know, because I thought, well, you know, because I, it was me, you know, it was, it was definitely my style. So, in that way, it was okay. Um, and I, I was used to um, learning songs because I've had some lessons when I was a kid, but uh, the way I learned to play was the old, with the needle on the, you know, the record and the needle and going back as forth, but you know, before the internet and that. So I was, right. I, 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 I was really used to, you know, playing along with records when I was a kid to learn to play. And then joining bands from like high school and stuff, and then it was going on and then playing bars. And I played in original bands and cover bands. So I think, I think playing in cover bands helped me as well because you had to learn that, you know, a lot of different sorts of rock styles, you know. So in that way, in that way, um, I was quite comfortable, you know, because it was, it, it was my music, you know. Uh, but I was, but I, I, but I was nervous because, uh, you know, I was a fan of like Trevor Boulder. He was such a great, powerful bass player, and I was thinking, wow, you know, uh, you know, can I really do this? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but it was great. The guys as well were really supportive, and you know, like Mick, and that it was just be yourself, and you know, uh, you know, you'll be fine. So they were really supportive as well and but the main thing I knew I could play with Russ anyway so that was so he he was my sort of rock <laughs> <you know? laughs> so because I because you know because I remember him when I auditioned when I was going to go for the audition you know you know I remember Russ just saying I'll oh, come down you know come down for the audition blah blah and I remember Russ just saying to me oh don't worry Dave just play just play the way you do when when we have a jam just do that yeah you know and he said that's what you can do and that's why you know that's why i want you to come down you know so okay so it was good having that you know you know having that sort of support from Russ saying just do what you do and don't think about it so, right. <laughs> so it was right. really cool yeah well and, and there's so many aspects to joining a band right you have to be able to play yeah. the songs and play in the band style but there's personality there's writing there's you know, you're, yeah. you're a backing vocalist. So there's so many components yeah. to consider. But I can't imagine, you know, walking into that room and just meeting everybody and not wanting to be a part of that band just because of the personalities even. Yeah, it was. It was, you know, I went down there and um, I think I had a couple of weeks to uh, to learn the set. So I was at home, you know, um, and like I, I, I had a day job, you know, and I was going home at night with my headphones and you know trying to learn sound and then go like that. And I remember going down to the audition, and uh, uh, but obviously the guys are really you know welcoming you know because uh, I, I think a few weeks weeks before I went to see them because they were they played in London and uh, they had another bass player who was just who was standing in, and then. I, I was going to go down 
just a week after. Uh, I remember them saying, oh, you know, just come down, you know, you'll be fine. And when I got there, yeah, they were, you know, Mick and the guys, oh, they were so friendly. And, and Brian, and also the, the tech, Brian, you know, uh, he was Trevor's tech. You know, he, he was helping me set up the gear and say, don't worry, just just play, you'll be fine. You know, just just play this. So uh, in, it was really nerve wracking, but very welcoming as well. You know, you know, and, and I, I knew, and really I, I knew that all I had to do was just play as Russ had said to me earlier, he just said, you know, just play like we do when we have a jam, you know, I said, okay. Well, I'm really glad it worked out. I mean, you've, you've added so much to the band and I love the sound that you add uh, to the albums. They've, they've been great. And uh, you had, uh, you know, being that you're a backup singer, it seems like this whole thing with COVID would be really difficult on singers. Do you work? Have you been working on your voice this whole time? Yeah, not really. I've been playing at home a lot, um, but I mean, we did when we when we re- do a, a rehearsal, we will, um, you know, we set everything up because then you're playing at stage stage volume, you know. Right. So I mean, actually, we are rehearsing um, next week because we have a couple of shows with um, Saxon. Do you know about that? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're playing uh, Manchester Apollo, and the next night we're playing in London at Hammersmith, the famous Hammersmith Odeon. Oh, so, fantastic! Yeah, so we have a rehearsal next uh, next week, and then we go straight to and then we go straight to Manchester, and then straight to London. So yeah, and the, uh, that will be, you know, a, a full rehearsal with our monitor guy, our sound guy, and then you know you've got. You know, you can. I think we'll have a day to really, you know, blow the cobwebs away and practice. <laughs> but we can. But but at home as well. I mean, recently we were writing all our home. We all getting ideas together during COVID. You know, for um, for new songs for the new album. So in that time, yes, we would. Um, I know the other guys as well would. Um, we're at home rehearsing, playing a bit of singing, you know, just trying to keep everything t- ticking over because we had to go in the studio and make an album too. So right, exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, well, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to the new album. I'm almost caught up to where you guys are at. Like I said, I'm just starting uh, Outsider uh, yeah. those uh, yeah. recordings tonight. Um, I I really think that that one of the things about Heap is that they're the music is really honest, and I think that's one of the things that has kept the band. Uh, interesting. You know, I feel like so many things are are like music that's written to be played on the radio or, well, we're supposed to write this way, so we do. I really feel like he just writes what you, you guys write what you feel and that's what makes the songs good. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that the songs are, you know, like the lyrical content and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of uplifting heap music. It's always like, you know, you know, let's just try and get through this, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. but, but I mean, even before the COVID thing, yeah, the, 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 there were always like songs of hope, you know, and, you know, uh, that's what I always found. Like, it's very, it's always been to me like a very uplifting band that goes way back, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it was always about, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was always kind of about conquering 
that mountain, you know, um, trying, you know. So that's still that that still runs true. Well, and when I go through the songs too, I, I very much feel in the music as well that it supports that vocal. That you know, the music is often empowering. Um, you know, there's yeah. those moments of turmoil that you're going to experience in life. But yeah, I think the music follows yeah. that message very well. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and speaking of writing, you had a song that you co-wrote with Jeff Scott Soto that was on Living the Dream, Grazed by Heaven. How did that one come about? Uh, well, it was, I mean, I've always been a, a big fan of Jeff uh, since since he was with, you know, Ingrid Malmsteed and Talisman and all the bands he's played with. And I had met um, a friend of mine knew him um and I got introduced to him, it was years ago, um, in, in London. And I just kind of stayed in touch with him, uh, you know, uh, when he would come to London, I'd go and see, you know, I'd go and, I'd go and see, because he, he he played Europe and London quite a lot over them years. And just because I stayed in touch with him. And the, when I had, when we were going to live in the dream, I had this, this song idea, riffs and stuff. And uh, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, um, show the band a song that was sort of ready, you know, so I could just say, what about this, guys? So I, I um, asked Jeff if he'd be interested. I sent it to Jeff and said, you know, would you write with me? And he loved the idea. He was like, oh, yeah, Dave, sounds great, you know. Uh, so, you know, he I sent him the music and he came back um, with these great ideas and the great lyrics. And that was it. I, he sent me the demo back. Uh, I played it to the band. The band really, really loved it. They were like, "Oh, it's, you know, it's, we, we, you know," they were really happy about it. And yeah, we went in the studio, and the band did a great job on it. And uh, I was, I was really pleased the way it came out. And uh, you know, because I, also I was thinking, I, I, there's a couple of heap tracks were my favorite tracks. There's a few moments in in the later heap cut. Catalog, like you know, like um, uh, the song called "Between Two Worlds," which is off uh, Sonic Origami, which I really like. The energy in that song, we used to play that a lot. And then there's another heap album, "Wake the Sleeper," which is one of my favorite. I love all the songs on that album. So I sort of want, I wanted to put together a song that was the elements of older heap, but with you know, with with the slightly more modern heap. So that was my idea for that song, and it it worked out perfect. Yeah, Yeah. I I think you nailed it. And I love the fact that it was the first one on the album because it really sets the tone for the rest of the album. Yeah, I mean, when we were... Yeah, that that was... uh, when Yeah, exactly. Because it was a good opener, because it was was like, okay, here we go. Get, Get ready for this, you know? Right. So... It's just the tempo of it, and uh, and again, it was really uplifting chorus. Again, thanks to Jeff, who's a you know, it, it, like because Jeff is not only a great singer and frontman, he's a really great songwriter. Which I, I always knew that because I used to follow him, you know, for all them years. You know, I was like a fan of his, and you know, and he, he's also a heap fan. So he knew exactly what to do. Oh, okay. You know, so, so between us, we, you know, we we sort of nailed it. So we we were both really happy, and 
the band were happy as well because it just came out so well. But the band did a, a brilliant job, you know, on, um, on on the track as well. Yeah, and you know, the production the, on that album, uh, really, the the last few albums has really been amazing. The only complaint I've had about the band, you know, going through all these songs is that the production on some of the older albums, uh, you know, things weren't panned very well. There's yeah. stuff that's buried in there. But now you guys sound better than ever. The The production is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, um, Live With The Dream was, it's, I think it sounds amazing. That That's Jay Rustin mm-hmm. um, produced it. And Jay just, uh, he just um, produced and engineered our latest album, which will be out, um, you know, sometime next year or um but he just did another great job on our new album so yeah and yeah obviously jay had a you know a huge influence on the on the way living the dream album sounded you know because he he did such a great job on it um which is which is why we got him because we knew that's what we wanted we wanted that we wanted that presence and power which we'd heard on his previous work he'd done so that's why we um we Got Jay to do the project. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great choice because the albums just sound so rich and full. There's not, it, it feels like there's not another space that you could have squeezed in another sound. Like the whole sound field is filled, but, but it's not too loud. It's not clipping. It's not, uh, you know, piercing your yeah. ear. It's really just perfect. Yeah. And again, it's, uh, I think it's, it's trying to blend which Jay understands as well. It's trying, and what we do is, you know, with the modern, the modern heap, because I mean, there's so many eras of heap. So it, it's just, you know, trying to blend the the classic sound with with today, you know, with, you know, because we all play differently, obviously, you know, different, are playing like, particularly like, Russ's playing style is different to, you know, the previous, like, Lee Curse, like, it's a different style, and, the, you know, and so the bass as well has to fit with what Russ plays, but it's still keeping in in context to, you know, the classic, you know, the classic, you know, 70s golden era of heap, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just trying to keep, keep a blend of the, of the two, really, and, and adding the the vocals, you know, which are the main thing, you know, the, the you know, the, the classic heap lead vocal melodies and the backing vocals, you know, and the Hammond and mixed guitar. It's, it's, you know, it's a real um, balancing act, but uh, uh, I think Jay completely un- understood that as well. So I think that's why living the dream, it went down so well with the fans, you know, well, that and the writing is fantastic. The performances on the album are, you know, I, I don't think you could have, you guys could have come up with anything better, to be honest. It's it's just from wall to wall, a great album. And that makes me more excited to hear the next one whenever it's ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Before I let you go, I got one more question for you, if you don't mind. Um, I know that you're on Cameo. How did, uh, how did you decide, yeah, you know what, I want to do this? Because that seems like a, a really difficult thing. You don't get much room to tell the artist what you want from them and you probably have to decipher quite a bit to really get them what they want yeah i mean i think it came from uh, i think when everything shut down because of you know the covid thing um um 
I think it, the idea came from our management, um, uh, Adam and Ace, because obviously everything went crazy. And I think every band and musician was thinking what to do next. And um, this was just one, one of the options that came up, you know, uh, we got offered, you know, would, would, you know, would you like to do Cameo as many musicians are doing this? Um, so we just said, yes, you know, um, and it's been good. Yeah, you, you do get messages saying, oh, you know, it's not really clear sometimes. It's Can you can you do a birthday greeting for a, a Heap fan, you know, who likes, um, uh, you know, there might be a joke attached to it, or can you mention a certain thing, you know, like a, mention uh, a certain brand of guitar, or, or can you play um, on your can you play a couple of minutes for them, you know, but can you use a Fender bass or, or <laughs> you know, because, 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 because my dad has a Fender bass and it's the same way. It's the same, you know, it, it, I've seen you with one and it's the same color. So yeah, you have to sort of decipher what to, what to do, but it's been really positive. I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't done that many. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I think I've probably done about 10 or 12 over that time. Right. But I know there's guys that I think Mick has done many, many. He's done a lot, obviously, Mick, because, you know, he's the, uh, you know, he, he he's the icon, you know, Mick. So, sure. and, you know, the fans love him. So he gets uh, lots of requests. He gets many birthdays and stuff like that. But um, we've all had a few, but I mean, for me, yeah. Think about the least amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just seems like it would be uh, a, a, just a challenge to make sure that you're meeting what they're requesting. Because, like I said, you get so few characters to actually explain what it is that you want. Uh, but yeah. I love that. I mean, of course, you've just got a Fender sitting around in an Ibanez and everything else they could possibly request, right? You just got it all in yeah. your house waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the ones I've done have normally been, uh, you know, um, you know, can you? Can you play a few, you know, can you play a few notes or a couple of chords for um, uh, my dad, who's a bass player, uh, you know, you know, stuff like that. And can you mention, um, uh, you know, uh, um, well, I've been, sometimes you get requested to, you know, how did um, a certain song come together? So, you know, so you might, so if you were there, like a song for me on, Outside or live with the dream, I can say, okay, well, this came in as a demo, and we sat around and we, you know, we first came up with this riff. We play a little riff, you know, but yeah, it's been nice. And and I think after you've done it, normally the, uh, you know, the person who requested it, they do you like a little um, review, which is nice. Oh yeah. So so it's nice when they come back and say. Oh, thanks so much. You know, it was it's, it was really you know my you know my brother or my friend was really happy with uh, he can't wait to see you on the road, and he was really happy with the video. So it, it is nice as well. Yeah, that is. That it only is takes it, it only takes you know a couple of minutes to do, you know. So uh, and uh, you know, I think you know we all need you know this these past months we all need uh, a bit of positivity and try and make people happy it's okay <laughs> well yeah and you know yeah. it, it, historically like for most fans they're never going to get to meet the people that they enjoy they're never going to get to thank them for the things that they've given 
And so this is really nice to actually be able to to connect on some level with artists who yeah. who you know write things that make you happy or or do shows in your town that that just you know you go home from and you can't wipe the smile off your face for two or three days. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I also love that you guys did the uh, the t shirts for your crew. Uh, you know the ones yeah. where all the proceeds went to the crew. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah. I loved that. Um, yeah. yeah, I I I it's so important I think for bands to really understand the power of what they can do. And I'm glad that you guys get that and that you're doing that and that you're, you know, accessible to the fans. That's, that's all pretty amazing. Yeah. I think, you know, I know people don't, you know, people, lots of musicians that I know as well, complain about social media and stuff like that, but yeah, it's got its downside, but it does give you, I mean, you know, instant access, you know, to, what your the people that buy the tickets and buy the CDs, you know, because I mean, they send me messages direct on my Facebook, and I, I always answer them, you mm-hmm. know, private messages, you know, asking me about the you know bass, the band, you know, when we're playing and stuff like that. I'll, you know, so I always I, I always answer questions, and like, I mean, it's good because you know you probably know when growing up years ago you you didn't really have access to you know you just bought the album and then you might go buy a ticket and go see the band and the, uh, you know the, they were so like uh they were like bands are from like another planet right you know? right you know you, you, you may have a fan club you join the fan club and you it's, you know but i think the good thing about social media in that way is that you can have you know direct input from you know the fans you know, and and it's true. And I remember when we did them shows in the summer after after so long. You know, a lot of the people that sent me messages were at the front. You know, like the yeah. You know, they say, oh, you know, they sent me a message before saying, I'm I'm going to be stage left. I'm going to be stage left. <laughs> uh, you know, and and then they would send me pictures. They would a lot of them send me, you know, the pictures and stuff. Mm, yeah, and it's nice. You know, so you, so you you have a nice relationship with the fans. And when we go, um, and I know just next week I'm going to see I'm, I'm going to see a lot of them there, you know, at um, Hammersmith and um, and in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, for Heap as well. It, I think it's it's important because um, you know being being on tour for so many years. I mean, I know Heap have always had a strong relationship with the fans, you know, uh, especially, especially Mick all them years, you know, going around Europe and the world, you know, so it's always, uh, you know, we always try to you know, in, involve them and, you know, be available to them. Yeah. You know? And you guys do a great job with that. And it's certainly better than the old days of waiting for the monthly hit parade magazine to come out. So you could find out what your favorite bands were up to if they got mentioned. That's what I used to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I used to do. I used to buy all the magazines and then, I'd, yeah, I would join the fan club and the fan club, they, they would send you like a magazine every three months or something. <laughs> right. You used to get three three a year, you know, from uh, all them bands. But Yeah, it was painful waiting, just hoping someday you're going to hear something and then it comes in and you're like, all right, three more months, I'll get another one. Yeah, it was just like a, you know, it was a, it's just a different time, but yeah. I think now it's you definitely get um, you get instant feedback, which is good, you know. 
you know, flex. Yeah. Well, Dave, I can't thank you enough for, for taking some time out of your, your day to come and talk with me. It's really been a, okay. a great talk. I've really enjoyed it. I cannot wait for yeah. the new album. I can't wait for you guys to come back to the States. Uh, I, I will take some pictures of you guys when, you, when you're when you playing here in Vegas for you. Uh, yeah. But thank you so yeah. much. And I wish you guys the best with the new album and everything. I mean, you guys are uh, obviously a huge part of my life. And I know for yeah. a lot of other people too, right. I, I get a lot of email from the fans as well. So uh, just keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Great Scott. Thanks. And we will be, um, we are on our way back. We've got a big, um, uh, we've got, uh, festivals in the summer, which will be doing quite a lot of festivals. And then we do the 50th anniversary tour, which starts in September. Um, uh, and hope, and then the new, the new album is recorded and ready. So we just got to settle on a date, which is kind of out of our hands, but um, yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, the powers that be the record company and all that, but um, and the 50th tour, it kind of clashes with our 50th tour because we've, uh, we're doing 50 years of heap in 22, but um, just to let everyone know that um, it will be out as soon as possible and uh we'll be touring all over well i'm i and uh, many other people are looking forward to it my friend thank you so much you take care of yourself and i'm sure we'll chat again before too much longer yeah cheers scott cheers